Welcome to Faith of Our Fathers. Today, we feature A.W. Tozer. Aidan Wilson Tozer was born April 21st in 1897 on a small farm among the spiny ridges of western Pennsylvania. Within a few short years, Tozer, as he preferred to be called, would earn the reputation and title of a 20th century prophet. Today, A.W. Tozer presents a sermon on who and what the Holy Spirit is. Love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, in this series of sermons, sometimes I will use the words the Holy Spirit, sometimes I will use the words the Holy Ghost. They mean exactly and precisely the same thing. The old Anglo-Saxon word gaste been turned into our English ghost, and it means spirit. So when we say the Holy Ghost, we're saying in the old Elizabethan and pre-Elizabethan English, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. So it makes no difference which I say, I mean the same thing. Let me start by reminding you that about a half a century ago, the liberals committed a great blunder. And that blunder was the neglect or the denial of the deity of Jesus. They either didn't talk about it at all, or else they explained the deity of Jesus away. They denied or explained away or neglected to mention his lordship over the church. Now, this was a stupid and a dangerous blunder, and it brought inner blindness to thousands and spiritual decay and death to great greater thousands. Now, in more recent times, we'll say within 40 years back, the evangelical Christians. I suppose you know what I mean when I say evangelical Christians. I mean the the gospel Christians, such as you and I, people who believe the Bible, Bible Christians. That's what I mean by the evangelical Christians. I mentioned the word evangelical Christian down in the Convention of Doctors in Wheaton last week, and afterward a fine, distinguished-looking gentleman came down to the front. He said, I am a Methodist, and I don't know what you mean by evangelical. Would you tell me what you mean? So I explained to this good Methodist brother who didn't know the difference between an evangelical and a modernist, what the difference was and what I meant by what I had said. He thanked me and was very courteously and walked away. Now, evangelical Christianity has committed a great blunder over the last years. It has been the neglect or the denial of the deity of the Holy Spirit. I think I ought to modify that, for I doubt very much whether 
Then the evangelical ever denied the deity of the Holy Spirit, but we certainly neglect him. And, of course, we have neglected his lordship within the church. Now, the result of this, of course, has been that this failure to honor the Holy Spirit has been uh, many. The results have been many. For one has been that the fellowship of the church has degenerated into a social fellowship with a mild religious flavor. I want you to know something about me. It isn't important, but I just want to say it while I'm here, while I have the time, that I either want God or I don't want anything at all to do with religion. You never get me interested in the uh, old maid social club with a little bit of Christianity thrown in to give it respectability. I either want it all or I don't want any. I want God or I'm perfectly happy to go out and be something else. I think the Lord had something like that in mind when he said, I wish thou wert hot or cold, because thou art neither hot or cold, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And another result of the failure to honor the Holy Ghost is that uh, so many non-spiritual and unspiritual and anti-spiritual features have been brought into the church. If the average church couldn't run on a hymn book in the Bible, we just wouldn't be able to do it. You know, the church started out with a Bible, and then it got a hymn book. And for years, they had a hymn book in the Bible. Now we have to have all kinds of trucks. A lot of people, when they, they couldn't serve God at all without at least one van load of equipment to, to keep them happy. And uh, these, uh, this, all this stuff, this fellowship, now the, the attraction that we have to win people and keep them coming it may be fine, it may be uh, elevated, it may be cheap, it may be degrading, it may be coarse, it may be, may be artistic. It all depends upon who's running the show, you know. But because the Holy Spirit is not the center of attraction and the Lord is not the one who is in charge, it, uh, we, we, uh, we bring in all sorts of anti-scriptural and unscriptural uh, claptrap to keep the people happy and keep them coming. And uh, now... Uh, the horrible part about that isn't that uh, that is true, but the horrible part about it is that it needs to be at all. That uh, the, the great woe is not the presence of religious toys and trifles, but the necessity for them that the presence of the eternal spirit is not in our midst. The most important one that could possibly be here tonight is the Holy Spirit. And uh, the, um, the, the, the tragedy and woe of the hour is that we neglect him, and then in order to make up for his absence, we have to do something uh, to keep our own spirits up. I said in Chicago, I talk this way wherever I go, you know, I preach this way at Moody Church and everywhere I go. Some like it, some don't, but they come back. And uh, I said this in our church in the south side of Chicago, Suddenly, in an impulse, I said, There are churches so completely out of the hands of God that if the Holy Ghost withdrew from them, they wouldn't find it out for three months. And then the next day or so afterward, a telephone rang, and a woman's voice said, Mr. Tozer, I am not a member of your church. I'm a member of the church on the north side, if you know anything about that great city, you know that being on the north side is like being in another state. It's almost like being in Buffalo from here, you know, just way off there. 
And she said, I was down to your church last night, and I heard you say that there are churches where the Holy Spirit should desert them. They'd never find it out. And she said, Mr. Tozer, I want you to know that that's what happened in our church. Her voice was very tender and broken, and there was no criticism or, or censoriousness at all. And I tried to console her. I said, well, maybe it's just that he is grieved, or maybe... Maybe that he is not given the place and all. She said, it's past that, Mr. Tozer. She said, we have so consistently rejected him in our church, and it's a gospel church. We have so consistently rejected him that he is gone. He's no longer there. Now, I don't know whether she's right. I doubt whether she is right. I don't believe the Spirit of God ever leaves a church completely, but he can, like the Savior who is asleep in the behinder part of the ship, he can go, so to speak, to sleep and not make himself known and to let us get along without him for years. Now I want to ask, who is the Holy Spirit? That's the subject for tonight. First of all, what is the Holy Spirit? And here I'm going to ask you to, to shake your head real hard and wake up some of the cells that haven't had a good workout since you got out of college or high school because I'm going to ask you to think with me about something. It's a little bit off of the beaten track. You know, our trouble is, a fellow came to church one time, a fine-looking fellow, but obviously wasn't too well-educated. He said, Father Tozer, he said, I'm a, I'm a fundamentalist, evangelical Christian, but he said, I confess I'm getting sick and weary of all these religious glitches that I hear. He meant clichés, of course. And uh, these religious glitches that we have, these clichés... Just a repeating the same old cliché over and over again. Well, one of the things I do is not do that. And some people are startled and run and never come back, but others come and to see this great sight and wonder how it is you can say something and not sound like a preacher in saying it. Well, I've worked on that all my life. I've been a preacher since I was 18, but I sure tried hard not to sound like one. Well, um... Uh, what is the Holy Spirit? Well, the first place, spirit is another mode of being. Now, shake your head real hard on that. Spirit is another mode of being than matter. You know, we bumped this pulpit. I won't do it because it would spoil the tape, but um, you can pick a thing up and bounce it around. That matter. You're, you're composed of matter. That head you have on there and that body, that matter. But you know, that's only one mode uh, of existence. There's another, and that's at least another, and that's spirit. And uh, the difference between matter and spirit is that matter possesses weight and size and color and extension in space. It can be measured and weighed, and it has form. But the Holy Spirit is not material. Therefore, he does not have weight nor dimension nor shape nor extension in space. Now, one power of spirit is to penetrate uh, matter, to penetrate things, all substances. The, uh, your spirit, for instance, dwells in your body somewhere, and it penetrates your body and doesn't hurt the body. It's in there, penetrating, because it's another form. You know, when Jesus had risen from the dead, and he was no more mere matter, he came into a locked door where it was locked and shut, and he came evidently through the wall somehow, and he managed to penetrate and get into that room without unlocking it. Now, he couldn't have done that before he died, but he did it afterward. And uh, spirit, then, is, uh, is uh, 
another kind of substance. It's, uh, it's different from, from material things. And it can penetrate personality. Your spirit can penetrate your personality. One personality can penetrate another personality. The Holy Spirit can penetrate your personality, your spirit. The Bible talks in 1 Corinthians, yes, 1 Corinthians about the no man knowing the things of God save the spirit of, of the man. man. No man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of the man that's in him. No man that knows the spirit things of God except the spirit of God which reveals them. So the spirit of God can penetrate the spirit of man. Now, I want to just say what the Holy Spirit is not. The Holy Spirit's not enthusiasm. Some people get enthusiasm, they imagine it's the Holy Spirit. Why, we have people down in uh, our part of the country that can get, get worked up over a song until they're actually sent. You know, they, they say get sent just by a song. And they imagine that's the Spirit. Not necessarily, because those same people, there's a lot of them, go out and live just like the world. And the Holy Spirit never enters a man and then lets him live like the world. You can be sure of that. And incidentally, that's the reason most people don't want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They want to live the way they want to live and have the Holy Spirit as a bit of uh, something extra. As you might have a diamond stick pin or something very beautiful on, for, for, on your clothing. They want some, the Holy Ghost to be added, but the Holy Spirit will not be an addition. The Holy Spirit must be Lord or he won't come at all, but that's for another sermon. Now, uh, the Holy Spirit is a person. I want you to get that. You can spell that with capital letters if you want to. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not enthusiasm. He's not courage, nor energy, nor the personification of all good qualities, like Jack Frost is the personification of cold weather, and Santa Claus the personification of wanting to give somebody pie. Uh, that, that's a personification. But the Holy Spirit is not a personification of anything. The Holy Spirit is a person, just the same as you're a person. And he has all the qualities of a person. The Holy Spirit has substance, but not material substance. He has individuality. He is one being and not another. He has will, and he has intelligence, and he has feeling, and he has knowledge, and sympathy, and ability to love, and see, and think, and hear, and speak, and desire, and grieve, and rejoice. He is a person, this Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, I will send him unto you, and I will not leave you comfortless, but he will come. And when he has come, he will teach the, take the things of mine and show them unto you. And the most important thing in the world is that this blessed Holy Spirit is now present here in this church tonight. Jesus, you know, in his body is at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, interceding for us, and he will be there until he comes again. But he said, I will send another comforter, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit, and he, he will be my representative, and he will be all that I am. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? I've spoken briefly on what is the Holy Spirit, and I have said he is spirit and not matter. He is personality. He is individuality. He has intelligence and love and uh, memory, and uh, he can communicate with you, and he can love you, and uh, he can be grieved when you grieve him. He can be quenched, uh, as any friend can be shut up if you, if you turn on him, and, and if he's in your home as a guest and you suddenly turn on him, of course, he'll be hushed into hurt silence because you, you've wounded him. 
So we can wound the Holy Spirit. Now, that's what he is. But who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the historic church said that the Holy Spirit is God. Some of you who attended some of the denominations remember the Nicene Creed. That is quoted every so often. If I recall, it runs something like this. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, begotten of him before all ages. God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who with the Father and Son together is worshipped and glorified. Now there's what the Creed said way back there 1,600 years ago. And then uh, there is another creed that was uh, oh, about 1,300 years ago, maybe 14, and that's called the Athanasian Creed. That came into being way back there when a man named Arias stood up and said that Jesus was a good man and a great man, but he wasn't God. He, he wasn't really divine. He was not the, any second person of the Trinity, and there was a man named Athanasius. He said, no, the Bible teaches that Jesus is God, and they had uh, all kinds of controversy about it there. But he came to Athanasius and said, Athanasius, the whole world is against you on this. He said, all right then, I'm against the whole world. He didn't mind having him against him, but they had that great that great gathering at nights, and there they formed the, uh, out of it came the Athanasian Creed. The Nicene Creed is supposed to have been born there, but the church fathers got together and they thought out what the Bible had to say about the three persons of the Trinity. You know, most of us were so busy reading religious fiction we never get around to it. So uh, I thought it might be nice tonight if I if I let if I took you back about oh, um, 1,300 years and uh, listen to our fathers tell about who Jesus is. Well, here's what it says: There is one person of the Father, and another of the Son, and another of the Holy Ghost. But the Godhead of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost is but one. The glory is equal, and the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Ghost. Now, this is what they said back in the days of Athanasius. They said the Father is uncreated, the Son is uncreated, and the Holy Ghost is uncreated. The Father's infinite, the Son's infinite, and the Holy Ghost is infinite. The Father's eternal, the Son's eternal, the Holy Ghost is eternal. And yet there are not three eternals, but one eternal. So there are not three uncreated, nor three infinite, but one uncreated and one infinite. So also the Father's Almighty, and the Son's Almighty, and the Holy Spirit's Almighty. Yet there are not three Almighties, but one Almighty. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Ghost is God. Yet there are not three gods, but one God.